<clears throat> Hare Krishna, dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here in the live studios, The Haven, located in Hive, Kent, southeast England, just a stone's throw from the English Channel. We're a little bit late today, things are going on. Please forgive us. Srimad Bhagavatam Mahimastotram. Oh, I have an announcement to make. We made it to 1,000. We made it to a thousand. Thanks to all of you. We just heard from Braj Balaba this morning that we reached a thousand last night. That is a thousand subscriptions to our YouTube channel. Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram by Srila Sanatan Goswami glorifies the Bhagavatam and explains why we're doing what we're doing right now. It goes like this. Sarvastrastravdipi yusha sarvavedaika satpala sarvasiddhanta ratnaja sarvalokaika drikprada <clears throat> O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata prana Srimad Bhagavata Prabhu, Kali Dvandodita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya, Prema Barshakshadayate, Sarvada. Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who were supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Marekabando Matsangin Madguru Man Mahadana Manistadagamad Bhagya my only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chuchata kada hanamun chakadachin mam premnarit kantayokspuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we've reached the fourth, can, fourth, uh, fourth canto, second chapter, Daksha Curses Lord Shiva. Here's where it all began. We get beginning with text 31.
the Vedas <clears throat> give the eternal regulative principles for auspicious advancement in human civilization, which have been rigidly followed in the past. The strong evidence of this principle is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is called Janardana, the well-wisher of all living entities. Purport In the Bhagavad Gita, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna has claimed that he is the father of all living entities, regardless of form. There are eight million four hundred thousand different species of life forms, and Lord Krishna claims that he is the father of all. Because the living entities are parts and parcels of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they are all sons of the Lord, and for their benefit, because they are hovering under the impression that they can lord it over material nature, the Vedas are given to them for their guidance. Therefore the Vedas are called Aparusheya, for they are not written by any man or demigod, including the first living creature, Brahma. Brahma is not the creator or author of the Vedas. He is also one of the living beings in the material world. Therefore, he does not have, have the power to speak or, or to write or speak the Vedas independently. Every living entity within this material world is subject to four deficiencies. He commits mistakes, he, ex he accepts one thing for another, he cheats, and he has imperfect senses. The Vedas, however, are not written by any living creature within this material world. Therefore, they are said to be a Purusheya. No one can trace out the history of the Vedas. Of course, modern human civilization has no chronological history of the world or of the universe, and it cannot present actual historical facts older than 3,000 years. But no one has traced out when the Vedas were written, because they were never written by any living being within this material world. All other systems of knowledge are defective because they have been written or spoken by men or demigods who were products of this material creation. But Bhagavad Gita is Apurusheya, for it was not spoken by any human being or any demigod of this material creation. It was spoken by Lord Krishna, who was beyond the material creation. That is accepted by such stalwart scholars as Shankaracharya, not to speak of other Acharyas, such as Ramanujacharya and Mad Madhvacharya. Shankaracharya has accepted that Narayana and Krishna are transcendental. And in Bhagavad Gita, also, Lord Krishna has established Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo Matak Sarvam Pravartate I am the origin of everything. Everything emanates from me. This material creation, including Brahma and Shiva and all the demigods, has been created by him, for everything is emanated from him. He also says that the purpose of all the Vedas is to understand him. Vidaish Chasarvaya 
Aham Evavedyaha. He is the original Vedavit, or knower of the Vedas, and Vedanta Krit, or compiler of Vedanta. Brahma is not the compiler of the Vedas. In the, in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, it is established, Tenhe Brahma Rida, the Supreme Absolute Truth, the Personality of Godhead, instructed Brahma in the Vedic knowledge through his heart. Therefore, the evidence that Vedic knowledge is free from the defects of mistakes, illusions, cheating, and imperfection is that it is spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Janardana, and has thus been followed from time immemorial, beginning from Brahma. The Vedic religion, or the principles of the Vedas, have been followed by the highly cultured population of India since time immemorial. No one can trace out the history of Vedic religion. Therefore it is Sanatana, and any blasphemy against the Vedas is calculated to be atheism. The Vedas are described as Setu, which means a bridge. If one wants to attain his spiritual existence, one has to cross an ocean of nations. The Vedas are the bridge by which to cross such, an oak, such a great ocean. The Vedas describe how to divide the human race into four divisions according to quality and working capacity. This is a very scientific system and it is also Sanatana, for no one can trace out its history and it has no disillusion. No one can stop the system of Varna and Ashrama or the castes and divisions. For example, whether or not one accepts the name Brahmana, there is a class in society which is known as the intelligent class and which is interested in spiritual understanding and philosophy. Similarly, there is a class of men who are interested in administration and in ruling others. In the Vedic system, these martially spirited men are called Kshatriyas. Similarly, everywhere, there is a class of men who are interested in economic development, business, industry, and money-making. They are called Vaishyas. And there is another class who are neither intelligent nor martially spirited nor endowed with the capacity for economic development but who simply can serve others. They are called Shudras or the laborer class. This system is Sanatana. It is <clears throat> it comes from time immemorial and it will continue in the same way. There is no power in the material in the world which can stop it. Therefore, since this Sanatan Dharma system is eternal, one can elevate himself to the highest standard of spiritual life by following the Vedic principles. It is stated that formerly the sages followed this system. <clears throat> Therefore, to follow the Vedic system is to follow the standard etiquette of society. But the followers of Lord Shiva, who are drunkards, who are addicted to intoxicants and sex life, who do not bathe and who smoke ganja, are against 
all human etiquette. The conclusion is that persons who rebel against the Vedic principles are themselves the evidence that the Vedas are authoritative. Hmm. Because by not following the Vedic principles, they become like animals. Such animalistic persons are themselves evidence of the supremacy of the Vedic regulations. Very interesting point. Text 32. By blaspheming, this is, I believe it's uh, Brigu, who is blaspheming the followers of Shiva. By blaspheming the principles of the Vedas, which are the pure and supreme path of the saintly persons, certainly you, certainly you followers of Bhutapati, Lord Shiva, will descend to the standard of atheism without a doubt. Purport. Lord Shiva is described here as Bhutarat. The ghosts and those who are situated in the material mode of ignorance are called Bhutas. So Bhutarat refers to the leader of the creatures who were in the who were in the lowest standard of the material modes of nature. Another meaning of Bhuta is anyone who has taken birth or anything which is produced. So then so in that sense, Lord Shiva may be accepted as the father of this material world. Here of course, Brigumuni takes Lord Shiva as the leader of the lowest creatures. The characteristics of the lowest class of men have already been described. They do not bathe, they have long hair on their heads, and they are addicted to intoxicants. In comparison with the path followed by the followers of Bhutarat, the Vedic system is certainly excellent, for it promotes people to spiritual life as the highest eternal principle of human civilization. If one decries or blasphemes the Vedic principles, then he fails to the, falls to the standard of atheism. Text 33 The sage Maitreya said, When such cursing and counter-cursing was going on between Lord Shiva's followers and the parties of Daksha and Brigu, Lord Shiva became very morose. Not saying anything, he left the arena of the sacrifice, followed by his disciples. Purport Here Lord Shiva's excellent character is described. In spite of the cursing and counter-cursing between the parties of Daksha and Shiva, because he is the greatest Vaishnava, he was so sober that he did not say anything. A Vaishnava is always tolerant and Lord Shiva is considered the topmost Vaishnava. So his character as shown in, in this scene as shown in this scene is excellent. He became morose because he knew that these people, both his men and Dakshas, were unnecessarily cursing and counter-cursing one another. Without any interest in spiritual life. From his, point of, from his point of view, he did not see anyone 
as lower or higher because he is a Vaishnava. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 5.18 Panditak Samadarshinaha One who is perfectly learned does not see anyone as lesser or greater because he sees everyone from the spiritual platform. Thus the only alternative left to Lord Shiva was to leave in order to stop his follower, Nandishwara, as well as Rigamuni, from cursing and counter-cursing in that way. Text 34 The sage Maitreya continued, O Vidura, all the progenitors of the universal population thus executed a sacrifice for thousands of years. For sacrifice, is the best way to worship the Supreme Lord, Hari, the Personality of Godhead. Purport <clears throat> It is clearly stated here that the stalwart personalities who generate the entire population of the world are interested in satisfying the Supreme Personality of Godhead by offering sacrifices. The Lord also says in Bhagavad Gita 5.29 Bhuktaram Yajyatapasam One may engage in performing sacrifices and severe austerities for perfection, but they are all meant to satisfy the Supreme Lord. If such activities are performed for personal satisfaction, one is involved in pashanda, or atheism. But when, they are, but when they are performed for the satisfaction of the Supreme Lord, one is following the Vedic principle. All the assembled sages performed sacrifices for 1,000 years. Text 35 My dear Vidura, carrier of bows and arrows, all the demigods who were performing the sacrifice took their bath in the confluence of the Ganges and, and the Yamuna after completing the Yajna performance. Such a bath is called Avabrita Snan. After this, after thus becoming purified in heart, they departed for their respective abodes. Purport. After Lord Shiva and previously Lord Daksha left the arena of sacrifice, the sacrifice was not stopped. The sages went on for many years in order to satisfy the Supreme Lord. The sacrifice was not destroyed for want of Shiva and Daksha, and the sages went on with their activities. In other words, it may be assumed that if one does not worship the demigods, even up to Lord Shiva and Brahma, one can nevertheless satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 7.20 Kamaistaistar Ritigyana Prapadyantain Yadevataha Persons who are impelled by lust and desire go to the demigods to derive some material benefit. <clears throat> 
In his commentary on this Bhagavad Gita verse, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur uses the very specific words nashta buddhiya, meaning persons who have lost their sense or intelligence. Only such persons care for demigods and want to derive material benefit from them. Of course, this does not mean that one should not show respect to the demigods, but there is no need to worship them. One who is honest wants to talk. Only such a per only such persons care for demigods and want to derive material benefit from them. Of course, this does not mean that one should not show respect to the demigods, but there is no need to worship them. One who is honest may be faithful to the government, but he does not need to bribe the government servants. Bribery is illegal. One does not bribe a government service, but that does not mean that one does not show him respect. Similarly, one who engages in the transcendental loving service of the Supreme Lord does not need to worship any demigod, nor does he have any tendency to show disrespect to the demigods. Elsewhere in Bhagavad Gita 9.23, it is stated, Ye Pyanya Devata Bhakta Yajante Shadayan Vitaha The Lord says that anyone who worships the demigods is also worshipping Him, but He is worshipping Abhidipurvakam, Abhidipurvakam, which means without following the regulative principles. The regulative principle is to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Worship of demigods may indirectly be worship of the Supreme Personality of the Personality of Godhead, but it is not regulated. By worshipping the Supreme Lord, one automatically serves all the demigods, because they are parts and parcels of the whole. If one supplies water to the root of a tree, all the parts of the tree, such as the leaves and branches, are automatically satisfied. And if one supplies food to the stomach, all the limbs of the body, the hands, legs, fingers, etc., are nourished. Thus, by worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one can satisfy all the demigods, but by worshipping all the demigods, one does not completely worship the Supreme Lord. Therefore, worship of the demigods is irregular and it is disrespectful to the scriptural injunctions. In this age of Kali, it is practically impossible to perform the Deva Yajna or sacrifices to the demigods. As such, in this age, Srimad Bhagavatam recommends Sankirtana Yajna. Yajna Sankirtana Prayaya Yajanti Hi Sumeda Saha. Bhagavatam 11.5.32. In this age, the intelligent person completes the performances of all kinds of yajnas simply by chanting Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 
Hare Hare. Tasmin Tushte Jagat Tushta. When Lord Vishnu was satisfied, all the demigods who are parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord are satisfied. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fourth canto, second chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Daksha Curses Lord Shiva. All glories to Lord Shiva because he kept his cool and, and questionable Daksha, Brigo, Nandishwar, and all the other members of the sacrifice. Hare Krishna. Okay. The plot thickens. I just got a very important message from Akundali, my dear old friend. Tomorrow is good for him. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Let us embark on chapter 3. Talks between Lord Shiva and Sati. Text 1. Maitre continued, In this manner, the tension between the father-in-law and son-in-law, Daksha and Lord Shiva, continued for a considerably long period. Purport. The previous chapter has already explained that Vidura questioned the sage Maitreya as to the cause of the misunderstanding between Lord Shiva and Daksha. Another question is why the strife between Daksha and his son-in-law caused Sati to destroy her body. The chief reason for Sati's giving up her body was that her father, Daksha, began another sacrificial performance to which Lord Shiva was not invited at all. Generally, when any sacrifice is performed, although each and every sacrifice is intended to pacify the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu, all the demigods, especially Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva and the other principal demigods, such as Indra and Chandra, are invited and they take part. It is said that unless all the demigods are present, no sacrifice is complete. But in the tension between the father-in-law and son-in-law, Daksha began another yagya performance to which Lord Shiva was not invited. Daksha was the chief progenitor employed by Lord Brahma and he was a son of Brahma. So he had a high position and was also very proud. Text 12, text 2, sorry. When Lord Brahma appointed Daksha, the chief of all the prajapatis, the progenitors of population, Daksha became very much puffed up. Purport. Although he was envious and was inimical towards Lord Shiva, Daksha was appointed the chief of all prajapatis. That was the cause of his excessive pride. When a man becomes too proud 
of his material possessions, he can perform any disastrous act. And therefore Daksha acted out of false prestige. That is described in this chapter. Text 3. Daksha began a sacrifice named Vajapaya and he became excessively confident of his support by Lord Brahma. He then performed another great sacrifice named Brihaspati Sava. Purport. In the Vedas, it is prescribed that before performing a Brihaspati Sava sacrifice, one should perform the sacrifice named Vajapaya. While, while performing these sacrifices, however, Daksha neglected great devotees like Lord Shiva. <clears throat> According to Vedic scriptures, the demigods are eligible to participate in yagyas and share the oblations, but Daksha wanted to avoid them. All sacrifices are intended to pacify Lord Vishnu but Lord Vishnu includes all his devotees. Brahma, Lord Shiva, and the other demigods are all obedient servants of Lord Vishnu. Therefore, Lord, Sh Lord Vishnu is never satisfied without them. But Daksha, being puffed up with his power, wanted to deprive Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva of participation in the sacrifice understanding that if one satisfies Vishnu, it is not necessary to satisfy his followers. But that is not the process. Vishnu wants his followers to be satisfied first. Lord Krishna says, Madhbhakta Pujab Jadika. That's Bhagavatam 11.19.21 The worship of my devotees is better than worship of me. Similarly, in the Padma Purana, it is stated that the best mode of worship is to offer oblations to Vishnu. But better than that is to worship the devotees of Krishna. Thus, Daksha's determination to neglect Lord Shiva in the sacrifices was not fitting. Text 4. While the sacrifice was being performed, many Brahmarshis, great sages, ancestral demigods and other demigods, their wives, all very nicely decorated with ornaments, attended from different parts of the universe. Purport any, in, in any auspicious ceremony, such as a marriage ceremony, sacrificial ceremony or puja ceremony. It is auspicious for married women to decorate themselves very nicely with ornaments, fine clothing and cosmetics. These are auspicious signs. Many heavenly women assembled with their husbands, the Divarshis, demigods and Rajrishis, Rajarshis in that great sacrifice named Brihaspati Sabha. 
it is specifically mentioned in this verse that they approached with their husbands. For when a woman is decorated nicely, her husband becomes more cheerful. The nice decorations, ornaments and dress of the wives of the demigods and sages and the cheerfulness of the demigods and sages themselves were all auspicious signs for the ceremony. Text 5-7 through seven. That the chaste Lady Sati, the daughter of Daksha, heard the heavenly denizens flying in the sky, conversing about the great sacrifice being performed by her father. When she saw that from all directions the beautiful wives of the heavenly denizens, their eyes very beautifully glittering, were near her residence and were going to the sacrifice, dressed in fine clothing and ornamented with earrings and necklaces, with lockets, she approached her husband, the master of the Buddhas, in great anxiety and spoke as follows. And that brings us to 8 o'clock. I'm going to stop. Oh. There's a purport. Yes. Thank you. Purport. It appears that the residence of Lord Shiva was not on this planet, but somewhere in outer space. Otherwise, how could Sati have seen the airplanes coming from different directions towards this planet and heard the passengers talking about the great sacrifice being performed by Daksha? Sati is described here as Dakshayani because she was the daughter of Daksha. The mention of Upadeva Bhada refers to inferior demigods like the Gandharvas, Kinaras, and Uragas, who were not exactly demigods, but between the demigods and human beings. They were also coming in planes. The word Sonilea, Soniliyabhyashe, indicates that they were passing right near her residential quarters. The dresses and bodily features of the wives of the heavenly denizens are very nicely described here. Their eyes moved, their earrings and other ornaments glittered and glared. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> their dresses were the nicest possible, and all of them had special lockets on their necklaces. Each woman was accompanied by her husband. Thus they looked so beautiful that Sati, Dakshayani, was impelled to dress similarly and go to the sacrifice with her husband. That is the natural inclination of a woman. And we'll stop here. I'm reading tonight and we'll start tomorrow with text 8. We anticipate the Reflections of the Assembled Sages Okay, we have Radharaman is going to give us reflections
um, Hare Krishna Maharaj, I, I was um, wondering if you'd be willing to give a reflection on um, the point in the purport to text 31 that you kind of paused and um, seemed to be something that you paused on and it, it says um, the conclusion is that the persons who rebel against the Vedic principles are themselves the evidence that the Vedas are authoritative because by not following the Vedic principles they become like animals such animalistic persons are themselves evidence of the supremacy of the Vedic regulations <clears throat> well it's pretty straightforward um, <clears throat> most of us in this modern age when we discuss the concept of atheism we think of it in terms of whether or not a, police, a person believes in God that's what makes an atheist but in the Vedas themselves uh, there's two words Nastika and Astika one of them means theist and, one, and the other atheist and they are defined by whether or not one has faith in the Vedas not whether they have faith in God because the Vedas are co-eternal with God and they contain all knowledge so without following the Vedic principles one cannot please God one cannot be a devotee of God um, that's why Krishna had to come as Lord Buddha and cut the faith of the people of India to the Vedas in order to stop their misuse of the Vedas that was his real motive he wanted to stop the misuse of the Vedas because these people were becoming like atheists. They were actually, just before Christ came out, he, he had the same experience. The money changers in, 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 the, in the temples in, uh, in, in, what was it, Israel then? Or what was it called? Israel. Jerusalem? I think Jerusalem uh, they were slaughtering animals and selling the meat and changing money and doing all kinds of business in the name of religion cheating in other words cheating so um, although Christian the Gita says that we should rise above the Vedic principles he was talking about the Karmakanda section of the Vedas, but even those that section is important for human society. The Varnashram system is coming from the Vedas, and Krishna also. Uh, what's the word? Uh, authenticated that system as being created by him. So the purpose of the Vedas is to to make a peaceful human society because in that atmosphere of peace without acting like animals uh, one can think of God without that peaceful atmosphere you can't think of God it's not possible 
uh, we're very fortunate to be here in the haven. And Abai and I are witnesses that many devotees have come through. Not a huge number, but important devotees. My godbrothers, Jaidwaita Maharaj, Vaisheshika Prabhu, Janmananda, Bhakti Prakash Maharaj, Adikarta, and a couple of others. And they all said the same thing about this atmosphere. They said it's, it's in goodness, and they can tell that we were following the Vedic principles. And therefore, it was peaceful, and they, it was easy for them to chant, easy for them to talk about Krishna. So, the rules and regulations are important, but at the same time, they can't be done without the purpose of going forward to full Krishna consciousness. Okay? Something came to my mind. Hare Krishna. Nayan Kanti. Nayan Kanti. Nayan Kanti. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna to you too. Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Yes, Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all assembled sages, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada and Srimad Bhagavatam. All glories to His Divine Grace. And from Rati Manjari? Yes, Rati. Hare Krishna. She says, Jai Guru Maharaj, transcendental sound on. <laughs> Hare Krishna, thanks, Rati. From Bhakti Noel. Yes, Bhakti Noel. Hare Krishna, dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. I am so grateful to hear this transcendental nectar from you today. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Sudevi Dasi says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Sudevi Dasi to you also. Hare Krishna. From Anandamurti Devi Dasi. Yes, Anandamurti. Dear Guru Maharaj and all assembled devotees, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you so much for reading today. Hari Nam Sankirtan Ki Jai. Hari Yesterday, two devotee and I went for the event and had Kirtan. Around 25 people were there. And almost everyone was first time to chant the Maha Mantra. Whoa, that's big. They chanted very seriously and read Bhagavad Gita together. Oh. One yoga teacher came to me after the event and said she had heard Kirtan several times before, but it is first time to cry during Kirtan oh. and had moved her heart. She said she is going to distribute Bhagavad Gita to her students. Yesterday I distributed Gita at the event and also seven Gita on the street. Thank you so much. Om Tat Sat. Om Tat Sat. Thanks a lot. Anandamurti Devi Dasi. You are a front-line preacher. Please continue and you will get all the mercy from Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda, all the previous Acharyas and especially our dear Srila Prabhupada. Please keep this up. Don't stop. You're making devotees and you will build a yatra there. Hare Krishna. Congratulations. 
And I'm, by the way, I'm personally very proud of you, Hare Krishna. And from Vilas Manjari. Yes, Vilas Manjari. Dear Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. We are in the lead up to Bhadra Purnim and for distributing Srimad Bhagavatam. I really appreciated this description of the Vedas as Setu, which means a bridge. Mm. It struck me as a nice way to describe the purpose of these transcendental books, as a bridge for crossing, crossing the ocean of material existence. I was distributing books on the weekend and one lady couldn't speak English. I showed her the Bhagavad Gita and read a verse to her and she said, Oh, a mantra, and gave me a hug and took a book home. <laughs> Sometimes it just takes one word that a person can relate to for them to accept a book. So I'm going to remember this one. Setu, a bridge. Hmm. Thank you. Yes, and not only is it Setu, the bridge, but it is the perfection of all the Vedas. It's all about pure devotional service. The Vedas are looking for Krishna, to please Krishna. But the Bhagavatam is unmixed with any other subject matter. Therefore, it is the real bridge. Hare Krishna. From Bhakta Rupa. Yes, Bhakta Rupa. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. This pastime is very satisfying to hear. The drama of the whole scene is very exciting, <laughs> the cursing and counter-cursing and so on. Daksha's envy has caused him to act in a way that is so counter to his actual self-interest. He became blind by anger and hatred. <laughs> How can we ensure we don't become blinded by our own envy of others and do things which are harmful to our own self-interest. By serving the Vaishnavas. By serving the Vaishnavas. By serving the Vaishnavas. We heard in the purport itself, <clears throat> Madbhakta Puja Dajika. Krishna is more pleased when we worship his devotees then worship him or serve the devotees then serve him so you can be you can be sure of not getting into that level of pride and arrogance and anger and animalistic activity if you just serve the Vaishnavas stay in the association of Vaishnavas live with them and serve them and together we serve Krishna and everything becomes auspicious Hare Krishna. This is from Peter Lawrence. Peter? Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes, Peter. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Thank you for your reading. I am a new devotee of the Cardiff community, and I have deeply enjoyed hearing you recite these verses. I haven't started reading the Bhagavatam as I am still studying the Gita, but mm. I am filled with deep excitement to read these great books in due time. Well, Peter, thank you very much, and welcome aboard. You're, welc you're very welcome, 
and uh, we we look forward to hearing and chanting with you more and more. Hare Krishna. This is from Sarvagya. Yes, Sarvagya. Maharaj, we reached today 1,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Congratulations. You said Facebook Live a little bit. Uh, dis disturbance. If once we get at least 1,000, you can give live on YouTube. It is okay for you now, Guru Maharaj. Or I can get it more. Your servant, Sarvagya. <laughs> oh, it's due to Sarvagya that the, we made it over the hump of 1,000. Well, we're going to think about it. We're not going to do it automatically, immediately. Maybe, maybe not. But we're, we're still thinking about it because the Facebook uh, venue is still the place where most people go. So we want to reach as many people as possible. But now we can do if we want flexibility so i'm thinking about it anybody who has ideas that want to let me know please do from subara yes subara Hare krishna maharaj please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to sri the Prabhupada. thank you for your nityam bhagavatam sevaya among the cursing and counter-cursing between the so-called Vaishnavas and Shaivites, Prabhupada's purport glorifies Lord Shiva by illustrating in 4.2.33, quote, A Vaishnava is always tolerant, and Lord Shiva is considered the topmost Vaishnava, so his character, as shown in this scene, is excellent. He became morose because he knew that these people, both his men and Dakshas, mm unnecessarily cursing and counter-cursing one another without any interest in spiritual life. From his point of view, he did not see anyone as lower or higher because he is a Vaishnava. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 5.18, Pandita Samadarshina, one who, is a, one who is perfectly learned does not see anyone as lesser or greater because he sees everyone from the spiritual platform. Unquote. A true Vaishnava ki jai. Yes. Uh, Prahlad Maharaj is the ideal Vaishnava in this regard because he taught that the principle of friends and enemies is the basic principle of politics. So if you want to stay out of politics, then don't, then be neutral. Don't think one is friend and one is the enemy. But on the other hand, when we see or hear blasphemy of a great Vaishnava, it's natural to feel angry. So it, it was very instructive in many ways, but one of the ways it was instructive this pastime is that when you hear a Vaishnava of the of the stature of Lord Shiva blasphemed so grossly and in public like that uh, it's natural that you feel angry and you want to do something about it so anyway we'll see what the result is starting tomorrow or the next day Hare Krishna and from Daitari Hari yes Daitari Hari 
Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thanks for tonight's reading. This whole section of the Bhagavatam is significant to me because it was the section we just began when I started coming to Bhagavatam class and hearing and hearing about it was probably my favorite thing about Krishna consciousness mm. in those early days. Mm. I thought a couple of points we heard tonight in the purport to verse 31 of the last chapter were really good. The Vedic religion or the principles of the Vedas have been followed by the highly cultured population of India since time immemorial. No one can trace out the history of Vedic religion. Therefore it is Sanatan. And any blasphemy against the Vedas is calculated to be atheism. Yes. Devamrita Swami has done a fantastic lecture series on the history of India where he talks about how the British Empire distorted the world reputation of Vedic knowledge and culture to fulfill its own ends. The last point in the purport Radharaman brought up about the animalistic state of society being evidence of the backward nature of those who defy the Vedas was very much on display for me this week when I was inside a Leeds music festival trying to distribute books. Mm. Seeing people living miserably like animals. This is supposedly the best enjoyment modern British society can offer to the current generation of people. <laughs> it makes me realize the importance of what I have the opportunity of doing in distributing this knowledge. Cleanliness is next to godliness. So these big rave festivals and all these events, they force people to, to live like animals. That's a fact. They're not clean. They're not blissful. They're just after animalistic pleasure. Hare Krishna, thanks for the nice reflection. I charge us as usual. And from Rati Manjari? Yes, Rati. Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Friday I went to the south of Holland, Limburg, where several devotees are chanting sincerely in three steady programs a week. Once a month they organize a kirtan event in a local church which I have visited three times now. Last Friday, the atmosphere was very wonderful. The kirtan became ecstatic, and some of the regular guests got up and danced. Mm -hmm. One lady there is from Africa. She has a large yoga center in a city nearby. Mm -hmm. She is awakening to Krishna consciousness, has set up an altar, and has started to do arti and offer her food to Krishna. Nice. During the kirtan, she got up and started dancing in the African style. Uh -huh. She was so ecstatic. It was wonderful to see everybody enjoy the kirtan in their own style. Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai. I just, just listened to Prabhupada two days ago say that this chanting and dancing is extremely important because by chanting and dancing, you can get everything. The knowledge, the ecstasy, everything will come from chanting and dancing. Hare Krishna, thanks Radhi for promoting this chanting and dancing. 
this is the yoga posture of the topmost yogis chanting and dancing. Okay, Peter? Yes, Peter. Humbly asking, is it okay for me to hear this section of the Bhagavatam with you as I haven't read the previous sections? Yes, it's fine. You should go back though. You know, we re we've read the Bhagavatam all the way up to this section. Uh, we've read the Bhagavad Gita recently also. So maybe during the day some, sometime uh, you can start reading in the YouTube channel uh, and that way you can catch up. But yes, it's, it's perfectly all right. Prabhupada's purports uh, will protect us from all misunderstandings. Hare Krishna. Again, it just keeps getting better and better. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabeda Bhaktivinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bol. See you tomorrow night. Same time, same place. Same topic. The plot thickens as Sati wants to go to the sacrifice of her father. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow.